0: How are you guys? Good? You awake? Let me get the lights on for you momentarily. Uh, good to see you guys. Well, we are finishing our letter to the Colossians. Paul's letter to the Colossians. We are wrapping it up. So if you would, join me in Colossians chapter 3. And we're starting at verse 22. Colossians 3, verse 22. servants. Obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, meanwhile praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. With Mark, the cousin of John—excuse me, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions—if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God, who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Luke, the the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea, and Nymphos, and the church that is in his house. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains grace be with you amen let's stop there and pray heavenly father as we wrap up this letter that was written so long ago we wish to see jesus clearer we wish to be inspired by you holy spirit so we can apply these truths to our lives help us in jesus name amen well i know we took a bigger chunk of that letter as we wrap up this letter to the colossians um We're going to take a good look at that first two-thirds. The last half, we're going to kind of cruise through those names as Paul was uh, writing up his final greetings to the people. This letter to the Colossians has been one of encouragement, reminding us, as the letter started out, that Jesus is all we'll ever need. He's all we'll ever need. Paul also encouraged the readers to never add anything to the work of the cross. God's done it all through his son, Jesus Christ on the cross. We don't need to add extra rules. We don't need to add any like cool top secret handshakes to get into this club or nothing like that. None of this weird mysticism needs to make its way through our doors. Nope. It's by grace. We've been saved by grace through faith, this confidence, this trust in Jesus Christ, not of works, So that nobody could brag about it. It's a gift, this salvation. Paul has been encouraging his readers of all these things this whole letter. Last week, we learned that God's divine peace and the indwelling of His his Word in our lives forges unshakable relationships. This week, as you saw, we're wrapping up Paul's final uh, comments and encouragements to the Colossians. We saw him finish up his address to first-century households. Last week, we talked about husbands, wives, the role of parenting the kids. The first-century household also involves servants, which we're going to take a look at tonight for a little bit. We're also seeing this great encouragement, this really this instruction to pray to God and talk with Him, and to be cautious of how we talk to others. So tonight, we're emphasizing prayer, serving the Lord, and sharing Christ with grace. Let's hop on in. Let's start at verse 22. So let's go back to chapter 3, verse 22. Bond servants Obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart-fearing God. Historians tell us that most of, uh, like half the people on the streets of the great cities of the Roman world, they were slaves. There was a lot of slavery back then. For our purposes, though, we're seeing that uh, this first century household, these bond servants are working for their masters, the head of the house. So think... This is how it relates to us. Think employees-employer relationship, okay? So think employees-employers. As we serve our employers, our supervisors, our leaders, Paul is telling us to do it with sincerity of heart. Sincerity of heart. Sincerity, a form of the word sincere. Classic illustration is sincere is from two Latin words, sinna and sera. Cinna to be without Sarah to mean wax. What on earth is he saying, be without wax? Well, here's the classic illustration. Back in the day, dishonest sculptors would patch up their mistakes by melting wax on their marble or on their stone sculptures to hide the defects. But if it was a pure sculpture, free from defect, they would say it's sincera, without wax. So he's saying, what? Don't fake it when your bosses, just because your bosses aren't around. Be genuine in, your, in, in how you serve your leaders, serve your supervisors, serve your employer. Be authentic. Do it with heart. Sincerity of heart. Be authentic, be genuine in your service to them. Remember, ultimately, God rewards Ultimately, God's rewards for our faithfulness—they're way greater than any attaboy our boss is going to give us, or attagirl. They're—they're—they're they're, they're way better. God's rewards, God's blessing, God's approval, totally outweighs any merit increase you might get from year to year, or any cola increase. Oh, I got real bills. I'm telling you, God is greater than any of that. So let's. Do what God says and serve our employers with sincere hearts. All right? And whatever you do, verse 23, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men. Heartily, genuinely, authentic. He's kind of repeating his encouragement. But this time he adds something. He says, do it as unto the Lord and not to men. Do it as if you could physically see God working and supervising you. He's there. God is what theologians, Bible nerds would call, he is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere all at the same time. Not to bully you or to put you under a magnifying glass and pick on you. He's just saying if you're going to be working out there, guys, work as you love Jesus and you have Jesus in your heart. Show them what a believer in Jesus Christ, how they serve in the role that God has you in at this time and purpose. Serve like Jesus would. Serve with sincerity of heart. Verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Okay? So we just read this, so I'm going to read it again. Knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord for you serve the Lord, Jesus Christ. Christ is actually his title, if you guys didn't know that. It's not Jesus' last name. It's his title. It means Messiah or the Anointed One. <clears throat> Remember what I just said? God's rewards for our faithfulness far outweigh any attaboys or girls or merit increases or cola increases or any other cash they might throw at you. So serve as you're serving unto the Lord. For you will receive the reward of the inheritance you serve the Lord Christ remember what I said at the beginning of my sermon it's by grace we're saved okay you can't work for your salvation I just don't want anybody to be confused as I read it again I thought "Ooh, I would hate for someone to be uh, confused that if they're working for their boss in a really good way that they are going to receive salvation no 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 he's saying man you got that's done You don't have to work for that. That's done. That's free. God took care of that on the cross. This is from salvation, we're serving our bosses with a, a sincere heart. Okay, knowing that we get blessings from the Lord. That's all that's saying in verse 24. In fact, we can just rest assured, the things we do for our supervisors never go unnoticed. Have you met my boss? I'm telling you, Things you do for your... No, I don't mean my boss. My boss is legit. I love working for my boss. I don't want to get any confusion out there. Ed Ray's the best. He's watching. The best guy to work for. I'm serious. I mean that. But if you think for one second that your good, your genuine sincerity, your hearty work goes unnoticed, no way. That's a lie from Satan because check it out. If you're serving unto Jesus, the Bible says... So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It's never in vain, anything you do from the Lord. And that's from 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, for those that are taking notes. Jesus notices. Not only is he everywhere at the same time omnipresent, But he is, another Bible nerd term, omniscient, all-knowing. He's also all-powerful. So he's everywhere, all at the same time. He knows everything and can comprehend anything. And he's all-powerful. He sees what you're doing. He sees you. Verse 25. But he who does wrong will be paid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. So if you decide to do wrong, you're going to get paid, for the, paid back for that too. Well, Pastor Rick, that sounds a lot like karma. It's not. Well, that sounds a lot like, you know, what goes around comes around. It, it's not. What this verse is saying is that we have a loving, perfect, heavenly father. And he disciplines his kids when they need disciplining. Does that mean punishment? That doesn't sound too good. I don't know about this whole Christianity thing after all. No, discipline means training. It simply means training. He's a good dad, and so he will correct his kids when they step out of line a little bit. Oh, he's very forgiving. He's very loving. He's very gracious. He's always strengthening and encouraging. He is awesome. He's the best. There's no one else like our God. But he's a good, good father, and it's his right to correct his kids as he sees fit, so that way we don't fall into a life of bad habits and whatnot. Okay, so we wrap up how uh, Paul is writing to his comments to the first century church. Excuse me, the first century household, okay? Last week, we talked about the husbands, the wives, the role of kids, and how we correct our kids. We just finished up the uh, the employee to employer relationship. Now let's look at it the other way. Verse verse 1, masters, talking about the bosses, masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master, capital M, meaning God, In heaven. Are you an employer? Are you a supervisor? Are you a leader? Do you know that you hold some type of influence over people in some manner where they are serving you? Okay. If that is you, if you fall into something like that or related to that, treat the people that God has given you justly and fairly, equitably. Be kind to them. Be generous to them. Be fair to them, though. You don't have to always pick favorites and treat one messed up and lift up the other. No, no, no. Pee, whatever they're owed, pay them. Be kind. Be fair. Be honest. I often will pray for businesses around the community and in our county or across the world. Like, I don't think that that's weird. I pray that these huge corporations, that they are men and led by men and women that, are, that have integrity, because we've seen in the news, we've seen what happens when, when there's greedy businessmen and women who don't care about how things turn out and people get hurt or retirements get stolen or whatever the thing is. So if you're out there and you're leading or you're supervising, you're an owner, the Lord, who we all work for, capital M, our master, he wants us, he instructs us to be fair. to To be fair, to be just to those who serve us. We're not to abuse them. We're not to abuse people or oppress them. We're to be just, we're to be fair. Simply put, whether you're a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, if you're a child living in a home, if you're serving and working for someone or they're working for you, Our lives should reflect our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's saying. Our lives should reflect our relationship with Jesus Christ. As we move on, as we wrap up this letter, Paul is going to start telling us how we should talk with the Lord and how we should talk with others. You'll see that in these next handful of verses, how we should talk with the Lord, and how we should talk with others. So let's see what his thoughts are and how we talk with the Lord. Verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it, with thanksgiving. Live out all these principles that we have learned. Devote ourselves to prayers, what he's asking us, with an alert mind and, and a thankful heart. So he wants us to pray, to have an alert mind, and a thankful heart. Prayer. What is that? I have met so many people, and it's not, I'm not making joke or anything like that, but they just, I don't know how to pray. What do you mean? I'm new. I just started believing in Jesus Christ. I just started coming back to church. I just, and maybe someone doesn't know how to pray. Okay. It's simply talking with the Lord. That's it. You're simply talking with the Lord when you pray, when you enter into a time of prayer. Whether it's like we're opening up a service and we pray and we talk with the Lord together, and then at the end, if you agree with the prayer, then you say, amen, or so be it. It doesn't mean the end. Finally, the guy's done. I'm hungry. I should have been at lunch 20 minutes ago. No, amen means so be it. I agree. Pray means just simply talk with the Lord. The cool thing about talking with the Lord is it's mobile. You never have bad cell reception. You ever notice we have bad cell reception here? Well, you could pray to the Lord. He has perfect reception here. Perfect. Yeah. You don't, yeah, you don't have any data fees either. It's free. He doesn't send you to voicemail. He doesn't ignore you or ghost you or nothing like that. What was it the other day? You said, uh, you know, the holy ghosting. When God doesn't answer, he's holy ghosting you. he, He always answers. Me and my friend Israel were talking about it the other day. He always answers. He says yes, no, or wait. That's the hardest one for me. So praying is simply talking with the Lord. And he says, don't be weary in it. Don't get fatigued by it all. Earnestly pray. Keep at it, is what he's saying. Watch for God's answers. And remember to be thankful. We just had a whole feasting with Thanksgiving, right? Did you sit around the table and share what you're thankful for? Hey, you tell people what you're thankful for. We had a Thanksgiving service where guys share what they're thankful for here. There's a lot to be thankful for. Is your heart beating in your chest? Be thankful. Are your lungs breathing? Be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. thankful. Is the rain away from your head? Be thankful. Be thankful we have so much to be thankful be thankful for well he says to be vigilant which means keep a careful watch vigilant means keep a careful watch for possible danger or difficulties and so when i put all this together talking with the lord being uh, earnest on it uh, continuing in it don't get fatigued about it keep at it so talk to the lord keep at it and be vigilant like watching out for those difficulties. It reminded me uh, of a bad habit I have. I shared this with uh, Pastor Bob's Monday night study uh, last week. And it is, sometimes when I run into a difficulty or a problem, I quickly go through the mental checklist of wise men and women in my, my life, and I'll start texting and calling them and asking them how they figured it out. Wait, I should have done what first, though? This is where the habit, the bad habit... God, God, then I can probably have a better conversation with mentors or whoever, you know, I'm going to call or text about it. Or God might just say, this is, think about it this way, pal. Oh, so God should be our first stop. We should be vigilant, meaning looking for dangers and difficulties that might lie ahead, but make God your first stop in asking for advice. He kind of knows all things and invented all things. We've just kind of reorganized it to make microphones and stands. But this is all his. He knew what we were going to do. He's amazing. So why not ask the Lord how to heal this, restore this, fix that, help me here with this person. And don't forget, be thankful, be thankful. Always stop and pray. A little acronym I picked up a couple of months ago. A-S-A-P. Always stop and pray. Okay, always stop and pray. You just said, though, why I mean, that God knows everything. So if he knows everything, why do I need to pray to him? Good question. I've had that one before. I've asked it myself. Well, God knows. Well, I was putting down a list and combing through lists of why we should pray. One, the Bible tells us to, okay? I told you God's a parent. Why do I need to do this? Because I said so. No, he's a perfect parent. Because the Bible tells us to pray. That's one reason. Well, we share also the desires of our heart with him. Like we did when we were kids, going to our parents for a birthday present or Christmas. I want, I want. Hey, Heavenly Father, I would like this. I want this. Talk with him. We can share our heart's desire to him. We can tell him what we're worried about. Cast your burdens on him, the Bible says. We can tell God what we're worried about. We can offer his uh, uh, thanksgiving to him. request to him. And we can receive peace from him. He says, you know, if you're anxious, Philippians 4, 6, right? If you're anxious, talk with me about it. Make all your requests known to me with thanksgiving and I'll give you peace that guards your heart and mind. How do you make a deep connection with another person that you're starting to get to know? You talk with them. Or if you're under 30, you just text them all day and send them Instagram reels. Hey, I I do it sometimes. But you mostly talk with people, right? You get to know them. You send them messages. The Lord's not going to send you to voicemail. He's not going to ignore you. He's going to talk with you. Prayer helps us forge a, a deeper connection with the Lord. You're talking with God, not at God. With him, it's prayer is not just you send it up and it's like, well, I hope he got the letter. No, he converses back with you. How? Through his Holy Spirit that's in you, believer. Through his Word. I've never heard the Lord audibly, like you can, like I can hear myself through the speakers. I, I've never heard the Lord that way, but I have had thoughts that weren't my own. Now you're just sounding crazy. No, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And if those thoughts line up with God's word, I trust that it's him speaking to me. And then when it works out like better than I could have ever planned it, I'm like, see what I did, guys? No, I go, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's so good. Prayer helps us to recognize that you're not God. That's one thing prayer does for me. It helps me recognize I'm not God but he through prayer he gives me this like strong encouragement because I don't know how people deal with some of the most tragic circumstances that they deal with that I've seen them deal with if not for their prayer life their life of reading God's word their life inside the body of Christ the fellowship and God is working through each of these things and they're And I've seen people endure the craziest, most scary circumstances I've ever seen them endure, uh, seen a human being endure. Because they have a connection with the Lord. They keep open dialogue with the Lord. They keep an open Bible with the Lord. And they keep open relationships with people of the Lord. Key word, the phrase, the Lord, (laughs) and being connected to Him. It's okay to pray. Prayer is so cool because you can share the most intimate details with the Lord that you would never share with anyone else. It's a safe place for you to talk with the Lord and just pray to him and pour out your heart. Cry out to him. Tell him how awesome you think he is or what a great day he had. You had pray and trust that God is with you then Paul throws in some requests for himself right here. So he's like, guys, do all this prayer. And by the way, meanwhile, pray for us too. I love it. Pray for us. Verse 3, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains. Paul's not praying for an open cell door so he can walk out of the prison that he's in, guys. He's not saying, I pray that these doors shake open like they did for Peter, like they did for that guy. Paul, his imprisonment leads him to his martyrdom, which means dead guy for Jesus. Like, he died. He was murdered. He's say, saying, I pray, I, my prayer request to you, the church of Colossae, and then when he, you know it's going to Laodicea, I'm asking you guys to pray that I have an open door to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And boy, howdy, was it happening. Because back in Philippians, when we were studying Philippians a few months ago, we saw that all the guards were getting saved. Guards that were chained up to Paul, watching over him, they were getting saved, which means Jesus Christ was restoring their lives, and not just their lives, but their whole households too. He was saving the guards that were chained to Paul. Paul was sharing the gospel. It's so cool. English author John Bunyan, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, um, which is a famous uh, book in uh, Christianity, Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan was arrested for, for preaching illegally, and he was put into prison. He was told that he would be released if he promised to stop preaching. His reply, if I'm out of prison today, I will preach the gospel again tomorrow by the help of God. All right. And I, I kind of, I see the heart behind Paul's prayer request. And I would ask that we be praying for the pastors, not just here at this church, but in the surrounding community. Pray for the pastors, and not just the pastors. Pray for their families, not just for their families. Pray for the the servants that are serving over Bible studies in all these groups out here that are overseeing ministries throughout our community in the name of the Lord. We should be praying for them to have open doors. Open doors. Favor with the community, which means that the community will receive them and like them, you know, on behalf of God. Like, may God grant the pastors and the ministry leaders, all the volunteers, everyone who's trying to share Jesus Christ, may God grant them favor, an open door so they could share the gospel. Verse 4 says, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So he's praying for an open door, but now he's praying for the clearest, most effective words to share to the listener, to the hearer. So he prays for the open door, the opportunity, and now Paul's asking for a prayer request that his words be clear, simple. If you've read any of Paul's writing, he is one of the most intelligent writers I've ever read in my entire life. And I haven't read that many books. No, I I read a lot. But throughout history, Paul is one of the most intelligent people, speaking to Supreme Courts, speaking to governors, speaking to guys on the side of the road, prison guards working working a, um, a shift, and he's just clear. Yeah, he was taught and educated well, but he can't do it apart from God. That's one of my prayers. Is I get a little nervous sometimes before Sunday nights, and I think, Lord, you put me here. Help me. (laughs) I can't do this apart from you, Holy Spirit. Help. And that's what Paul is acknowledging. God, this is your fault. You got me here, and I'm serving you, so give yourself favor. That's a prayer I pray for our juvenile hall As I go, Lord, this is your deal. These are your kids, so give yourself favor in their lives, meaning create an open door for yourself. Paul's saying, as I'm speaking, help me do it in the simplest terms possible. The prince of preachers, his name is Charles Spurgeon. And he says in in a book, he has a book that he wrote to his students back in like the 1800s. It's called Lectures to My Students. I'm paraphrasing him. He says, it's easy to teach a smart guy because you can use big words with them. But try teaching a child. You have to break everything down for them. I'm paraphrasing. He says it's easy to teach an intelligent person. You don't have to define anything. You just use all kinds of big words, and they're going to get it. But to teach a child? Ooh, I'll tell you, if you can teach a child, you can teach anybody. If you can survive my junior high, you can teach anybody. I'll tell you that. I know it you can survive my junior high here at the church you can survive any group they're actually great kids I love them, you should hear their discussions they're amazing so Paul's saying we need to keep it simple teach it clearly, share clearly share clearly walk in wisdom toward those who are outside verse 5, walk in wisdom to those who are outside redeeming the time Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity is another translation. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most out of every opportunity. Teach those who are outside. Let's look at that a little bit. Pray that as we grow in the Lord, we don't grow away from those who need the Lord. Pray that as we, church, believers in Jesus Christ, as we're growing in the Lord, that we're not growing away from those who need the Lord. What I'm not saying is keep that toxic unbeliever who's just destroying your life. Give yourself space. I'm not saying you have to keep that guy or that person close to you all the time, okay? The, but the, I am saying that there are a lot of people out there that need to know who the Lord is. In San Bernardino County, I just looked up the population. It's estimated that there's 2.1 million people in our county, in San Bernardino, the largest county in the United States. There's a lot of people who are outside of a relationship with the Lord. So we should walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. We should be praying for the ability to speak clearly to them. We should be praying for open doors to share to them. You see how it's all tying together? Praying for opportunities, praying for, for an ability to talk with them, and praying and loving on them, those who are outside of the fellowship, meaning outside of a relationship with Christ. We're light, the Bible says. We're the light of the world. Well, Jesus is the light of the world. We are salt and light. If you have Jesus in your life, you have this light. Show it off. Shine it. Redeem the time. Redeem the time, okay? He's not saying you have to maintain a fear of missing out or FOMO, but he's saying redeem the time, which means to buy back the time. How do I buy back this time? Well, he's saying, he's been talking he, about our conduct. Our, we have to walk the walk, walk wisely, right? We redeem the time. We buy back the, uh, these opportunities. We buy back these opportunities. Paul knows that time is irreplaceable, so he wants us to be wise with our time. Redeeming an opportunity might be setting some time aside and praying to the Lord, praying for others. Redeeming time might be don't wait on encouraging someone who needs encouragement. Don't wait on it. Tell them, be encouraging. Be loving, be kind, be generous, be patient. Allow those fruit of the Spirit's fruit of the Spirit, to bloom. Paul is encouraging us to be a good manager over the time that the Lord's given us. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's nudging. And he says in verse 6, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So he wants us to walk the walk, to live wisely among those, toward those who are outside, meaning unbelievers. Okay? Now he's telling us to um, have our speech seasoned with salt. Thanksgiving. Could you tell when the ham or the turkey didn't have enough salt, or it was seasoned just right? You can tell, huh, because that is juicy, and you're like, I want more. But if it's not seasoned and it's all messed up, you're like, no, thank you, I'd like to try more of the stuffing, huh? Your speech should be like that delicious turkey or ham or lamb or whatever it is you ate this week seasoned properly right just the amount of right of barbecue sauce because he wants our words to be appealing he wants our words to be appealing and and attractive he doesn't mean tickle everybody's ear he's just meaning hey you're praying that you should speak how you ought to speak and you should have it seasoned with salt but the seasoning is not salt when it comes to our speech. The seasoning of choice is grace. Grace. You don't have to Bible thump everybody and tell them that they're all going to hell. Please don't do that. Just invite them to church and if, you, if that's all you got. You're going to hell. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, no, just come to church Sunday night, Sunday morning, Saturday night, Wednesday night, Monday night. We got all kinds of services here. Or just Tell them about the grace of God. We're drawn into God by his love. We're drawn into the Holy Spirit via love and grace. If you go out there and just hammer people that they're going to hell if they don't, right now, sign the contract that you believe in Jesus Christ. I'm not kidding. I've heard the weirdest things in my life. Walking out of a store, having some guy get in my face that he wants me to prove my faith. I'm all, bro, you should come to our church across the street. Because what you're doing is different than how we do it. It's totally happened right across the street. Our speech should be seasoned with salt, seasoned with grace. Okay, so let's start wrapping up this letter. So we have a ton of of guys here that Paul lists, his team, if you will. And he's ending the letter by sharing some expectations that he has with his readers, okay? Okay. He's sharing some expectations. Remember, tonight where we've been is we've talked about uh, the first century household, what he expected of the employees, how they're supposed to serve their employer as we serve the Lord with sincerity, authenticity, with sincerity in our heart, right? We don't want to fake it or just start working because the boss came around. Then he moved in to talk with the Lord. And we reviewed all these amazing things that happen when we connect with God through prayer. Then he moved into how we should talk with one another. Praying for opportunities. Buying back the time through prayer, through well-seasoned speech. Not growing away from unbelievers, but as we grow in the Lord, we don't want to grow away from unbelievers. We want opportunities to share with them, okay? the gospel, the good news. That's what gospel means, is good news. And so now Paul's wrapping up his letter. He says here in verses 7, 8, 9, Tychicus, a a beloved brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. He's going to tell you all the news about me. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances, comfort your hearts, with Onesimus. He's also a faithful, beloved brother, who is one of you, and they're going to make you known all the things. These guys are documented for the last couple thousand years as being loved, as being serious about their faith, and committed to serving the church. That's a great reputation that they've earned. They're they're faithful. They love the people that they're in front of. I love this. Verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, he greets you. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas about whom you've received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. The only thing I know about Aristarchus is that he sailed with Paul to Rome, which means he also experienced that whole shipwreck with, with Paul that Luke described in Acts 27. Let me touch on Mark for a bit. Mark. He's John Mark. He's the author of the gospel. Yep, you guessed it, of Mark. He's that Mark. He's also the same Mark that bailed out on Paul and Barnabas when they were on a mission once. They were on this whole plan, they had this whole plan to go and serve and share, and John Mark was assisting them, and guess what? Mark bails out. Paul totally gets irritated by the whole thing. It's, it's totally a mess. In fact, Paul and Barnabas, they later on were going on a mission together. Barnabas wants to bring his, his, his cousin Mark come on, Paul, let's take him with us. Paul's like, absolutely not. He's a quitter. No, (laughs) I don't want him to be with us. So they split ways, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas went with Mark. Classic Barnabas, he's so encouraging. His name means son of encouragement. Paul and Silas went their ways. But time totally matures people, doesn't it? Because look, Paul is totally saying, hey. And when Mark comes, welcome him, welcome him. What an encouragement to those of us who have failed in our first couple of attempts at serving God. Yeah, it's okay, you made a mistake, talk with the Lord about it. Let him heal you, restore you, grow you. Man, I'm so glad God's the God of many chances. It's so cool. I love Mark as an encouragement. Verse 11, and Jesus, who is called justice, um, these are my fellow workers in the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Jesus, uh, I don't really know much about him. I'm sorry, guys. I couldn't find much about Jesus. So he has a great name, I'll tell you that. Verse 12 and 13, Epaphras. We've heard about Epaphras before at the beginning of this letter. Epaphras loves the church of Colossae. He says it right here. Epaphras greets you, always laboring fervently uh, for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete. Yeah, we met Epaphras at the beginning of this letter. He's a solid prayer warrior. He's constantly and agonizingly praying for this church. Prayer is a great, required, very important ministry of the church. I love that Robert and the the kids had that prayer prayer shout-out for our Friday's men's prayer. First and third Fridays, we meet in the prayer room, and we pray over everything in this church. Luke, the beloved physician, he's talking about Dr. Luke, by the way, who wrote Luke and Acts, most of the New Testament. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphas and the church that is in his house, verse 15. Nymphas the only thing we know is that he, he was a home Bible study guy. He had a church meeting in his house. Now when the epistle is read among you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle, which is simply a letter from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Just a reminder he's giving to this guy, uh, Archippus, that the ministry is not something we actually do for God, it's something that God is doing in us and through Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. This is not something, the things that we're called to, we're not doing it, I mean, like, oh my gosh, God needs my help. No, God is doing the work in us and through us. We get to serve and help the Lord. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains, grace be with you. What an amazing letter of encouragement, empowerment in Jesus we can be encouraged that Jesus Christ is all we need, church. He's it. Nothing to add to the work of Jesus Christ. That's it for the letter of Colossae. Next week, we'll move on into First Thessalonians. So let's close in prayer for tonight. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for the encouraging word that Paul gives the church of Colossae, and that we can apply to our lives, knowing that we can talk with you at any time that you'll give us the right words to say to people and give them hope in you, Jesus. We ask for every prayer request that Paul was sharing tonight, an opportunity for an open door, great words to speak to listeners that really need you in our community, God, and maybe even in our household. We pray for those who aren't yet believers, God, that you would just minister to them. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've just been on the edge having the Holy Spirit draw you And you're just like, how do I do this? How do I have this relationship? How do I have this connection with God? It's only through his son, Jesus Christ. So if that's you, we'd like to pray with you. A simple, short prayer that we pray. If you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know where you would spend eternity after life on earth, then this prayer is for you. You can say it with us out loud, or you can say it in the intimacy of your own heart. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Please forgive me of my sins so that I can serve you from this day forward. And all of God's kids agreed by saying, Amen, Amen. Well, guys, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Christmas is just a few weeks away. I'm so excited. No one's told you that they love you, Packing House. I love you guys. More importantly, God totally loves you. Good night.